Well, I told you I was going to do five episodes this week, and here I am. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I'm a very sick. <laughs> I, 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 I caught the vid this week. Uh, I'm a podcaster. I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer. I've been doing podcasting for baseball for over a decade now and i am now finishing up my fifth full seasons getting started my sixth here at the lockdown podcast network where it's your team every day thanks so much for making us your first listen for those of you who subscribe to us here on youtube or on wherever you get your podcast follow us at lockdown mlb pods on twitter or whatever it's called now and instagram i'm your pal Simon solly baseball on twitter solly baseball podcast on instagram and if you if you're listening to us every day, I see more and more of you who are everyday Sully listeners. Make sure to put the hashtag everyday Sully. So where is where is that hashtag? There it is, everyday Sully, so I know who's out there. Uh, we're doing a live stream today because, I don't know, I just want to get this out there. Uh, I, I'm recovering from the vid. Uh, I didn't want to do one yesterday because I was coughing too hard, and you don't need to hear that. Uh, but we're doing live stream. Hey, we already got our first comment in there. Uh, okay, uh, Kim Il Sung, who's who's following there, he's jumping the gun. He thinks that uh, uh, I'm no doubt he believes that um, Shohei Otani is going to head to the Braves. Hold your horses there. We're going to talk about Otani in just a little bit. We're talking about the Nashville meetings, uh, some of the what some of the teams should be thinking about going on there, and also um, we're going to be doing our uh, a what if which is going to be usually What If Fridays, What If MLB on Friday. But I didn't record on Friday because I didn't want to cough in your ear. Hey, uh, let's first of all, let's look at who got some of the the trivia question. Who was the last pitcher in the Twins franchise history to win a road World Series game? Well, no Twins pitcher has ever done it. But uh, Dan Bourgeois, uh, uh, John Murphy Jr., uh, Court Stell, you know, the, a couple of the people got it correct. Sorry, I don't have all of them in front of you uh, right now. It was Walter Johnson back in the 1925, game one of the 1925 World Series, uh, won that game. And then this, they were the Washington Senators back then. They were not the Minnesota Twins. So um, there you go. A um, couple people agreed with me that uh, Joe Maurer belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't care if someone's first ballot, second ballot, third ballot. I honestly don't care. I, as long as they get in, uh, th- then they're Hall of Famers. There you go. Uh, also, um, I'd throw in more suggestions. I'm gonna. This is a episode I may do next week, or I may just hold in my back pocket for Christmas week. When I, I'm gonna take a week off at Christmas, but I have a whole there. There, there'll be new shows that whole week. There'll be new shows the week of Christmas. The whole sh- new shows the week of New Year's. I'm just doing them in advance so I can take a little time off. Uh, And I may do my favorite uh, baseball players making cameos in TVs or movies 
on an episode there. But I've got a couple other suggestions. Uh, Bernie Williams and Derek Jeter's appearance on Seinfeld when George was teaching them how to hit. Um, I just saw I saw a great one the other day, which I had never seen before. It was from the 1960s sitcom Bewitched, where the, the you know the about a man whose wife is a witch, and that and the the husband is brought to a party of witches and who all have these magical powers that they can zip in and out of everywhere. And at the party of witches was Willie Mays. And he said, is Willie Mays? He said, as if to say, does he have these magical powers? And his wife said, how do you think he hits all those home runs? And Willie Mays says, I better get to the ballpark. And then he disappears. Implying Willie Mays is a witch. That's a cool cameo. Um, so send me some of those suggestions. Okay. Uh, and also next week, we're going to be talking to some of the good folks over at Locked On Nashville Predators, because I want to talk a little bit about Nashville as a potential Major League Baseball site. But the Nashville meetings are starting tomorrow, and hopefully that will mean breaking the ice of some of the big free agents who could be potentially moving. Obviously, Shohei Otani is the biggest name. I still think he is going to sign uh, on a short-term deal because I think it will be best. I think it's just smart for him to go out in the market as a pitcher and as a hitter. I think that's what he should do. But then again, he's still going to walk away, even if he signs a long-term deal, with literally hundreds of millions of dollars. So I'm sure he's waiting for my advice at all times. Um, I think I, I think the two... Well, the three most logical places for him to land. Now that it looks like the Yankees, who have apparently reached out to the Kissingers more than they've reached out to the Otanis, uh, it looks like the Yankees are out. It looks like the Mets are out. And I think it's smart for the Mets to be out. And I'll, t- and, I, and I'll explain a little bit in just a second. But I still think the three most logical landing spots are the L.A. Dodgers, San Francisco Giants, and the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs are looking at a potentially unstable NL Central, an angry fan base, and also, you know, uh, uh, a chance to make a giant splash. And I have a feeling that bringing in uh, counsel to manage the team and Otani would be huge. The Giants are looking to make a huge deal with anybody at this point. And they, they swung and missed with both Judge and Correa last year. Correa may have turned out to be uh, a blessing in disguise, and the Dodgers for logical reasons. Of those three teams, I think for the short-term deal, I think the Cubs. For the long-term deal, I think the L.A. Dodgers. And I think if you start seeing that, the Giants may just turn over enough, you know, turn over enough cushions on their couch to find a few more hundred million dollars that may turn into a bidding war with the Dodgers. I think he's going to... My prediction is he's going to sign a short-term deal with the Cubs, and he'll be a Dodger in a couple of years. Uh, we got another commenter coming. Who who else is commenting in there? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Kim Il-jun said uh, it was just wishful thinking. Well, I get it. Um, we all need to do that. Uh, some of the more interesting ideas, interesting teams going into the uh, the winter meetings. Obviously, the Padres, who I think could still contend next year. If the Cubs don't sign Otani, I think the Cubs got to go all in on the uh, uh, on Juan Soto from the 
you know, from the uh, San Diego Padres. And they have top outfield prospects like Pete Crow Armstrong, like Calvin Alcantara. Like, why can't they put together a package, especially if they see that the division is winnable right now? The Padres could conceivably continue to contend and put together a good package for Soto. That's one of the interesting things, seeing this little game of Jenga that can go on there. Also, you have contending teams. Look at Cleveland. I almost called them the Indians. They're going to trade Bieber, Shane Bieber, not Justin Bieber. I made that mistake the other day. I'm on COVID. But um, but the Cleveland always seems to get something back in those deals. They're smart. Plus, they have a factory. It's like the... It, it's attack of the clones with all the the pitchers that seem to come out of their their system, and so I have a feeling they could if if they're calling you, hang up the phone because they're about to fleece you. Same with the Rays. The Rays may trade Sandy Alcantara, not Sandy Alcantara. I'm sorry, Randy Rosarena. I I lose track of which terrific prospect. Whoop! There goes my light. <laughs> I just lost my ring light. What happened to my ring light? All right. There you go. I'm in the shadows right now. Well, it's live. It's live, and my ring light went out. So I'm now, what does Sully do in the shadows? Great show, by the way. Um, Alcantara. No, I, I, I did it again. A Rose, I mixed up a Rosarena and Alcantara because they're both great Cardinals prospects who just kind of, sort of, uh, were traded away in bad trades from the St. Louis Cardinals. But the minute I heard, well, they're going to trade Alcantara, uh, a Rosa Reina. Next, I'm going to call him Zach Gallon. If I'm going to keep dogpiling on prospects that the Cardinals traded away, they'll get something back from. The Rays don't miss a step. That's why they're the Rays. So you're going to start to see them and the Brewers, who again, Won the division handily. Handily. They lost their manager, and now they're going to have to take a good long look at what they're going to do with Corbin Burns. Will they continue to try to contend? Someone else has to contend in this central. The Cubs aren't going to run away with it. Apparently the Cardinals want to sign every pitcher on the planet. I wonder if Zach Gallon could help them right now. But it's an interesting situation. You know, obviously Yamamoto is going to sign with someone probably soon. Um, I I predict Yamamoto is going to sign with San Francisco. And I think the Mets should keep their powder dry. I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. They've stumbled in an opportunity to do something unique in New York. Say that five times fast. And that is rebuild. Rebuild the team. Rebuild their squad. And... If it takes two years, so what? They're not going to win next year anyway. So why not say we won't win the next two years and then potentially have a great team and win a bunch of years? You can't rebuild in New York. Really? They've gone over a decade without a championship of any kind unless you count Major League Soccer, and I don't. So why not rebuild? Either way, it's going to be a super fun time going on in Nashville, as I go on without my ring light. What happened to my ring light? Well, look at We're going to see. We're going to do a lot of updates. 
We'll do a lot of updates coming on. Oh, got one more thing from a listener before we go into it. Good day, Sully. I'm being greedy. Two questions. Do you think, uh, what do you think the main explanation of why pitchers don't pitch as many innings as they used to? Because they're trained not to. For economics, it's economics. You know, the most expensive players are ace pitchers. So create a situation where you don't need ace pitchers. That's why. It's money. Well, if we have, if we, you know, for a 200 inning pitcher, 230 inning pitcher is worth more, then let's create a situation where we don't need them. That's why. Train to go five. Well, we're not going to pay you that much. You're not, you're not exactly a workhorse. That's it. I hate to, you know, I hate to go follow the money on you, but that's where we're going. Well, we're without a ring light and we're going live and that's how it goes. All right, let's talk a little bit about FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet at FanDuel. That's $150 if your team wins. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, I know I am. There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League. And this is a quick reminder that Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts on Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Hey, we're ring lightless on this episode here, and we talked a little bit about uh, Nashville. Uh, There's a couple more people watching the live stream here. Uh, Hey, uh, Angel Rodriguez, he's an everyday sully. He thinks Shohei winds up on the Jays. Um, that's interesting. They better sign some of their other players first. You know what? I mean, it's not a terrible idea. I mean, it's not as if Toronto is a small market. It's, it's not. Toronto is a gigantic city. And you know how, you know, Boston has New England as its region and Seattle has the Northwest as its region and Atlanta has the South. Toronto has Canada. The whole country. And you could entice Shohei Otani. You're not exactly pulling at the patriotism. Oh, you got to stay in America. Really? Shohei Otani? You can say, look it, you can make all this money and uh, get some free health care. Maybe throw in some, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, some Labats. I don't know. What do I know about beer? But, uh, um, oh, by the way, uh, uh, Mosef has one other question, which is if Ted Williams didn't, lose five-year serving, would he have broken any all-time hitting records? Okay, that's a good what-if, but I'm going to do a what-if about another Red Sox left fielder. Thank you for the uh, um, lead in there, Mosef. I want to do every at least once a week a what-if, a big what-if. If this one tiny thing didn't happen, how would baseball history be different? You mentioned Ted Williams. Now, Ted Williams is the greatest Red Sox of all time, and he was the great left fielder in uh, Red Sox history. 
he was supplanted by Carl Yastrzemski, one of the other great Red Sox of all time. He was supplanted by Jim Rice. And my what if is about Jim Rice. Now, in 1975, the Red Sox were a star-studded team. They had Carlton Fisk. They still had Yastrzemski. They had Luis Tiant. They had the emerging talent of Rick Burleson, the emerging talent of Bill Lee. But they had a pair of rookies, the likes which we had not seen come up at the same time. They were called the Gold Dust Twins. Gold Dust Twins. Say that three times fast. Fred Lynn and Jim Rice. They both had remarkable seasons. Fred Lynn wound up winning the Rookie of the Year and the MVP. He was the first person ever to do that. It took Ichiro Suzuki to match that feat. Fred, Fred Lynn had an amazing season. Jim Rice had almost as good a season. I think he finished in the top five in both the MVP and I was a runner-up of the Rookie of the Year. Lynn was a left-handed power hitter with a high average and great speed. Rice with a, was a right-handed power hitter with tremendous strength and, and baseball IQ off the charts with his batting average. The two of them were a dynamic one-two punch. The Red Sox took the lead of the American League East pretty early, did not let go. They wound up winning the division. They wound up facing the Oakland A's, who were the three-time defending World Series champion, but were now no longer with Catfish Hunter, another what-if I'll do later. The Red Sox wound up sweeping the A's and went on to play the 1975 World Series. The 75 World Series was considered to be the greatest World Series of all time, and it certainly was a World Series that jump-started interest in baseball. As baseball throughout its history has had ups and downs in its popularity, it was in a tremendous ebb in the mid-1970s, even though there was some great baseball being played then. But the 75 World Series, which was an absolute thriller, became a ratings bonanza and reminded people how great baseball was. There were one-run games in games two, three, four, six, and seven. Carlton Fisk's home run is one of the most famous moments in baseball history. I would argue it wasn't even the most dramatic home run in that game. Bernie Carbo's game-tying home run in the eighth was the biggest blow. And people forget how dramatic game seven was, which came down to the game was tied with two outs and two outs and two strikes in the top of the ninth when Joe Morgan hit a bloop single off of Jim Burton that that broke the tie and uh, Will McEnany got the Red Sox out one, two, three to preserve a four to three victory. Now here's the deal. The final week of the season with the Red Sox already in, Jim Rice got a hit by pitch that broke his wrist. Jim Rice could not play in the World Series or in the playoffs. They wound up using a combination of Cecil Cooper, who went on to become an all-star but was not yet a star player, Juan Beniquez, a very talented multi-tool player, but again, not an all-star, and eventually Bernie Carbo, who got the start in Game 7 of the World Series because he kept getting big pinch hits during the World Series, and finally, manager Daryl Johnson said, screw it, why don't we just start him? But the fact of the matter is, the Red Sox offense did not have Jim Rice in it. And let's go through, in the four losses 
The Red Sox lost four games in the World Series, okay? Three of them were one-run losses. Game two, the Reds rallied in the the top of the ninth. Cecil Cooper batted in Jim Rice's place. He started first base, and Carl Yastrzemski played in left field. During most of the year, Yastrzemski was at first base with Rice in left. So Cecil Cooper essentially filled Jim Rice's spot. In the World Series, as a starter, Cecil, in the in the four losses, Cecil Cooper went a combined one for ten. Juan Benitez went a combined zero oh for three. So in games two, three, and five, the Jim Rice's spot had two times he got on base. Cooper got one hit. Benitez got one walk. Other than that, it was a hole. Now, Bernie Carbo was productive when he started in Game 7. He doubled and walked and scored a run. Okay. But in those other three wins, the other three Cincinnati wins, Jim Rice's hole was borderline worthless. And so it's safe to say that if instead of an one for 13 with one walk hole in the lineup, you put in an MVP candidate who went on to the Hall of Fame. It's safe to say that the Red Sox would have had a chance in at least one of those games. If you inserted in, in, in whatever wins ab- however wins above replacement works, replacing one for 13 with one walk with an MVP candidate, I'm going to go out on a limb and say would have been an improvement. And what would have happened if the Red Sox had won one of those games? We're going to break that down in just a minute. Quick reminder, Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, what would have happened if the Red Sox won the World Series in 1975? If Rice's bat came through in one of those three games, think about how baseball history would have changed. Let's just take the Red Sox, okay? First of all, who would have been World Series champion? Rice, obviously, Lynn, Luis Tian, Carl Yastrzemski, Rico Petroselli, who was left over from the 1967 Impossible Dream Team, Carlton Fisk, Dwight Evans, so many beloved, uh, you know, going to the, you know, going to the bullpen, you know, the late Dick Drago, who we just lost, people who were long-term Red Sox, uh, you know, Rick Wise, who had a long, distinguished career. There would have been a lot of people who would have received their only World Series ring, okay? And it would have, first of all, any talk of curses, Babe Ruth, my appearances on HBO, everything like that would have instantly gone. Because remember, in the 60s and 70s, there were a bunch of teams that hadn't won a pennant or a World Series in a while who finally did. The, uh, the Orioles who used to be the St. Louis Browns, won their first ever championship in the 60s. The A's, who had been dormant since the 1930s, went on and ran for a dynasty. So the idea that, yes, the Red Sox had a long drought, 
But from 1918 to 1975, that would have seemed comparable to what the A's had gone through or what the Browns, uh, Browns slash Orioles franchise would have done. So it would have made it like, oh, yeah, they had a long drought, but then they won in 75. The whole 1918 chant, the way that that weighed on the franchise for years and years, the way it compounded, would have been completely wiped away in 1975. It would have made, even if everything else went on exactly the way it did, yes, the Bucky Dent game still would have hurt. Yes, the 86 World Series would have hurt. But it wouldn't have had that metaphysical damage. Also, I believe... If the Red Sox win that World Series, Jim Rice is in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. You know, he wound up getting the Hall of Fame, but took 15 years and a lot of hand-wringing. People like, is he worth it? Is he not? If they won the World Series in 1975 and the rest of his career and everything goes the same way, the narrative would have been simple. Williams was the greatest player. Yuskremski revived the franchise, but they won with Jim Rice. You don't like narratives? Guess what? They were voting with narratives a lot in the early 90s. Also, probably Dwight Evans would have been in the Hall of Fame. Probably Louis Tiant would have been in the Hall of Fame. The undertow of the success of the 75 World Series would have raised the the boat, would have raised the tides for all the players who were fringe Hall of Famers to begin with. I think there are compelling Hall of Fame arguments for both Dwight Evans and for Louis Tiant. But they would have been the 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 cons would have been wiped out with the image of them winning in 1975. We've taken a ton of pressure off a lot of people, including poor Bill Buckner, who, by the way, I believe his error is the single most overrated event in the history of sports. The game was tied. He was not the reason they lost the World Series. But the reason why they compounded the false narrative that Bill Buckner lost the 1986 World Series was it became easy. They were about to win the World Series, and then this happened. No, the game was tied. But showing that as a clip, as a symbol of the Red Sox not winning the World Series since 1918, really destroyed the reputation of a man who had a wonderful career. By the way, Bill Buckner is also on my list for great TV cameos. If you haven't seen his, and it wasn't a cameo, it was a full episode on Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's one of my favorite episodes of any TV show ever. I digress. So it would have changed the entire, uh, the entire outlook of the Red Sox. It would have changed the entire, the entire history of the franchise, the entire personality of the franchise. Maybe they aren't as desperate in 2004 to make some of the moves because it's like, all right, well, you know, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll win again. But then there's another thing. What would it have done to the Cincinnati Reds? Now, as it turned out, the Reds won that World Series and then they steamrolled through the next postseason where they swept the Phillies and the Yankees as the Reds were cemented as great champions. And then free agency started to chip away at the team. They traded away Tony Perez in a panic. Pete Rose left. Joe Morgan eventually left. And the big red machine eventually dissipated. What if they had lost in 75? The reputation of the Reds at that point was they were super talented, but they couldn't win the big game. They lost to Baltimore in 1970. Okay, fine. Brooks Robinson was unstoppable. But they lost the World Series in 1972 to the A's, and the A's were an inferior team, and they lost Reggie Jackson. 
and they still couldn't beat them. They lost to a really inferior Mets team in 1973 and didn't even make the playoffs in 74. If they had lost in 75, where they had the best record of any National League team that decade, and they lost to the Red Sox, then it really starts to hang over them. Will this team ever win the big game? Would that have would that have compounded into 1976? And eventually, would they if they had not won in 76 and the team broke apart the way they did, would that have the reputation of one of the great missed franchises of all time? It would have had a huge impact on both the Reds and the Red Sox. If only Jim Rice didn't break his wrist. By the way, there's Jim Rice right there. And there's that 72 uh, World Series. So that's a, that's my what if of the day. What if that would have happened if Jim Rice... Now, of course, Jim Rice could have gone one for 13. Yeah. Then tip your hat. But I have a feeling he would have come through in one of those games. Call it a hunch. Um, all right. Well, that's, uh, that's what we're going to do for today. Oh, uh, so a trivia question. Trivia question is this. And I didn't know this until today. Only one franchise, one current Major League Baseball franchise, has never had a player hit 200 home runs while wearing their uniform. What is the only franchise to never have a player hit 200 home runs for them? Put it down here on YouTube or on Twitter at Pods. And same handle on Instagram. I'm Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. I'm fading. I'm still kind of sick, but I wanted to do this show for you. This has been Locked On MLB for the second day of December. We're almost done with 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. And I promise I'll get the ring light fixed. <laughs>